The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Good evening. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy. I'm your host this evening, Spencer Hager. Uh, With me tonight, Tony Payne. We are both certified financial planners and also with us, John Sestina, of course, the founder of our company. And we've got a a pretty action-packed show, trying to keep it interesting, get the audience engaged. But before we jump into that, Tony, how you doing? It's a wonderful day. Yeah, yeah. Standard response. (laughs) It's a wonderful day most days. I mean, don't you enjoy what you do? Don't you enjoy getting up, getting around, seeing people you like? It's a wonderful day. Yeah, positive attitude. John, you bringing that same attitude? Mm, Yeah. yeah. I read the the bills. I got to be positive. No, uh, but he is getting to it right there. So for today's show, we're going to talk primarily about alternative direct investments. Um, We do a lot of talk about inflation on the show. I'm going to try and not fixate on that too much, or we're not. But that does have implications for other things like investments, some of the things people start to talk about. So we're going to try and unpack each one of those uh, topics. But before we jump to that, to, to John's point, this is a financial planning show. Try not to get too political, but sometimes the political does have some implications on financial planning in everyday people's lives. So today we're going to talk a little bit to start with about the two big spending bills going through. Just made it out of the Senate, currently going into the House. John, you've been reading up on those, you said? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I finally heard someone else on a financial station say, we're back to the Jimmy Carter days. So. Mm-hmm. The worst part of that, of course, was the inflation, and the second was the economy. So I think we're headed for that. But uh, as I read on, there seems to be some stumbling blocks that if the Republicans work, they can pull out of this thing and slow it down a bit. So I hope that's true. So the uh, the bills, the first thing is the bills. I believe that if you have a bill, it ought to be one topic, one point, instead of 5,000 things like this guy does. And so I object to that. I also think we ought to have term limits. Somehow I can't convince these Congress people to do that, though. They think that uh, the president should have four years, but they should have 400 years. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll have to live with that. So I think the bill the, that's where Congress is out of control. It's lumping all this. In fact, these they have not even read yet. And to how, Tony, how about that? How can you sign well, off on a bill that you've never read? Which bill? That's what that I'm I haven't read. Are you, well, I mean, go back but, to but Pelosi, you know, with Obamacare, well, sure. Well, I mean, this what we're talking about too specifically are there's the bipartisan infrastructure bill, mm-hmm. then there's the human infrastructure bill, uh, whatever you want to call. It. I think I'm being polite there. You but are. The other side is the first one, that one trillion, repurposing some money that was already available. Then drawing again other money that's coming out of nowhere, we think. Uh, But then the application of that money, that's where the debate may come in long term, uh, honestly, of 
are these things that should have been done a long time ago? Should they have been done with other monies? I mean, I'm young enough, I or old enough, I guess, I remember the cigarette settlements. I mean, when the cigarette companies made their large settlements, part of the promises were, we're going to be able to put in the roads, we're going to be able to put in the schools. I mean, that money never seemed to materialize to show up to help to do these things. So, I mean, there may be things that really need to be invested in, but it's just hard when you're not planning ahead, which is the theme of our show, and you have to scramble and do this stuff last minute. And like John's saying, throw in a bunch of stuff that may be unrelated or things that are quasi-related, I guess. So when we think about this, I mean, they may be investments, but to go through and read the bill and see specifically how it's going to help, that's the hard part for some of these people. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, too. I mean, yeah. looking at it, I mean, the one thing that I'll, I try to emphasize the positives. You guys called me positive earlier. Um, <laughs> but one thing that, you know, the idea of broadband I mean, if there's companies out there, again, good companies, they want to make a profit. Am I really going to lay cable to the top of the mountain in the middle of nowhere? Probably not. Is there a private market solution for that? Well, there is right now. I mean, the time finally came that you can actually have satellites beam an Internet down that seems reasonable. I mean, they've been doing it for a while, but it wasn't the speed that we could do web meetings or kind of do the high-speed stuff with. But now you have some of that capability coming on where, you know, maybe that would have been a good idea a couple of years ago, but now is it really the time? I mean, it sounded good, and by the time they got the bill drafted and through, again, it, it's one of those where you question, is this wise for large, larger government to make investments like that? Yeah. Exactly, and they should do what they say they're doing. If this is an infrastructure bill, infrastructure bill, they ought to be dealing with that. But in this, in the $1.3 billion one or trillion dollar one, there there's uh, only 33% of the bill is for infrastructure. Right. Makes no sense. When, and that's where, again, the, I don't want to say debate, John, because I don't think there's <laughs> much debate here. But the idea of what is an infrastructure investment? I mean, when you debate that, I mean, traditionally, we always think of that as roads, bridges, things, pipes, you know, the things that all of us share that you have a community when you turn raw land into a city. That's the kind of stuff you have to do, right. not necessarily pay for someone's college. And that's where the idea of infrastructure expanding, that's what these bills represent, yeah. good or bad. Yeah, and that's primarily on the infrastructure side. So that's, to John's point, that's the $1 trillion right around there. The other one I was talking about, too, is they're talking about $3.5 trillion. That's just on the budget plan they're trying to get through. I'll let some of the other news sources out there break down kind of all the couple billion here, several billion there, what they're talking about. But there were a couple big ones I pulled away for potential financial planning implications. I mean, yep. I think I said at the beginning, this is through the Senate. I'm not a politician. I'd imagine some of this is going to get stripped out in the House if things go through. You're too honest for that. Yeah. <laughs> but Boy, the, is he a dreamer? Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe no, added. Not yeah. stripped out. <laughs> no, but the main three I saw, they're talking about that increased child tax credit we got this last year. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you had a child, depending on your income ranges, if your child was six or younger, you got an extra $1,600 on the tax credit. If it's six to 17, you've meet the income requirements you got an extra thousand per child that's on both of those and the other one um, we'll kind of unpack it one at a time is the potentially free community college so say what you will right or wrong with the bills those have some huge implications on financial planning well they do the the child one is is very interesting because you get those credits even if you have no income 
You realize that? So you get a check. You don't pay taxes and you get a check. So Tony, that's a pretty good deal. I'd like to have that. Send me money, you know, for whatever reason. Well, and, and the other is community college one. I, I don't understand why all the people who are out there going to uh, uh, apprenticeships and learning trades and all that sort of thing, why they don't get the same deal that the uh, people going to community college. Because who does that benefit? Mm -hmm. It benefits the wealthier, not the poorer. And that's fair. Um, I think that's a fair point. I will say there are a lot of people who talk to me about community college, and it is, for all we say, this is all almost kind of in the nether sometimes. Right. Well, again, I'm interrupting you, Spencer, but we're going to come back here after the break and dive in a little deeper. But, I mean, the idea of if this is what the tax code wants to incentivize, we got to play by the rules and understand that. And they want to incentivize child. They want to incentivize college. And like you're saying, John, there's other things that may be underemphasized here. So we have to think even behind some of the, you know, in front of us points and think about what are they trying to push here? Again, and what they're trying to push in the tax code is different behaviors. And everyone does it. And you got to think about what are they trying to push? Yeah. And I don't have the numbers. I hear your point and duly noted on um, having an income of zero and still getting a check in the mail. I will say for anyone who isn't quite at zero and somewhere in the middle, if they actually do get that through, it's going to change anything from what tax withholdings you should have, if you get those checks, what you can do with them for paying down debt, you name it. But to Tony's point, we'll come back to this and a lot more in the next segment. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take note. All right, welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. Quick reminder, I'm your host for the evening, Spencer Hager. Tony Payne's with me. We are both certified financial planners, CFPs, and uh, we have the pleasure of having John Sestina with us. He's, of course, our founder. Um, Before we jump back into kind of the meat of today's show, I do want to remind everyone listening that if something we're talking about sparks your interest um, and you want to come check us out, find more out about our company, you can go to www.managingtobewealthy.com. Take a look around, tells you a little bit about our company, how we started. Of course, John can tell you about that. And also, if you want to set up a complimentary consultation meeting, you just have to click Take Action up in the top right. Of course, free of charge, no free lunches, but we'd be glad to sit down, talk about your plan, and uh, and go from there. Yeah, we've only been in business for, what, a couple of weeks? Or yeah, so? yeah, a couple of decades, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on 52 years, I mean, talk years, about marketing, Tony. You never market that. Talk you're right. No, you're right. There's some consistency there in Central Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that being said, last segment we were talking about the two big bills that pretty much everyone's heard about on the news, the $3.5 trillion budget plan, the $1 trillion, give or take, on the infrastructure. And we were wrapping with the budget plan, talking about free community college, Another one was universal pre-K for three- and four-year-olds. I'm talking about daycare expenses potentially getting waived or helped out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and if you want to phrase it that way, it's educational infrastructure, right? It's people. <laughs> You're investing in people and children's care and that kind of thing. And I know over the break, John, we were talking, what do you define as infrastructure? When you think of true infrastructure, what is that? Well, it's like driving down Riverside and hitting a bump hole in the ground that uh, perhaps they would fix that or the bridges that are getting a little rusty every now and then. And I like broadband, expand that to the 
rest of the country and so forth. So it's those uh, meat and potatoes items. And again, that's what I was arguing in the beginning. These folks put a title on something and then they put everything else in it. It's like you order a, a sandwich and you wanted uh, ham and cheese and they put, you know, whatever in it. You don't even <laughs> well, know what it is. Um, yeah, you're saying that, but here's something I hope I'm pulling out for us out there. But I mean, one of the proposals is expanding Medicare. What does that mean? Vision and dental. I mean, when we think about vision and dental already, we know that's not necessarily the best kind of insurance. You don't want a one-size-fits-all, and all of a sudden you're just going to create perhaps a profit center for a lot of the bigger companies out there that just shifts money from the taxpayer to those companies without necessarily doctor to patient and let's make a decision between us. So, again, it sounds good, I think. I mean, if I just told you, Spencer, retirees, Medicare is going to cover their vision and dental. Is that good? You're pro probably going to say good, mm -hmm. but then I think when we get into the details, there's probably a lot more benefits in having control over that. And I think we're both, we're all agreeing that's certainly not really infrastructure. Well, I mean, it might be fact, a Medicare bill, but yeah, ahead, but they Tom. could put Medicare out of business. Yeah, because uh, you know, right now it's a, it's a, supposed to end or expire or go bankrupt. What in 2030 or something like that? I think 2035. Yeah, 2035. So now you add these extra benefits, and what else are they proposing? Lower the age when you're eligible for the program. So I, I don't understand who they talk to. You know, I, I've watched all the economists and all those people and read the articles, et cetera, but they don't seem to be country-driven. They well, seem to be. I wouldn't go there, John. I wouldn't go there yet. But, I mean, maybe a difference of opinion, but the, yeah, the idea of. I've always been a different opinion. So. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Understand. That's true. <laughs> but the idea, of, though, of what I think what we're all getting at is you've got to be paying attention because there's a lot of things that may be changing, and they may affect you. They may not affect you right now, and they may affect us all long term. So the idea of being deliberate here. I mean, if they're things that get expanded and you're entitled to them, you should probably opt into them. You should probably take advantage of them. If there's things out there that are going to affect you and you're going to pay for it, you should probably know that too, be able to use your voice. Mm -hmm. So we're just bringing up a couple examples here too that are really relevant. Now, whether or not they really make it through all of them, that's a different story. Right. Again, we don't know that. And like you said, John, there may be ways and twist around here that things don't get through the way we're presenting them. But the idea is that's because it's people speaking up. And um, people do need to get involved. What, what I observe now when I watch, people are complacent. I and mean, most people don't even know there is this bill, a bill, a change, or whatever the case may be. They're so en engaged with their phones and whatever else. They're so distracted they're not paying attention to what's important. Kind of like with the parents and their children in schools. You know, the parents are acting uh, in what they think is their children's best interest. Well, that's good. They're acting on it. That's, that's the foundation of the country, that the individuals, all of us, we the people, are supposed to be involved in all of this stuff and not just coast floating down a river like a piece of broken tree or something. Yeah. <laughs> you mean having control. I mean, that's no, what we I, always no, talk I, about, it's right? It's not necessarily control. But it's definitely input. Be a part okay. of it. Okay. I mean, this is our country, and it's up to us. Well, who said it? Uh, was it Reagan who said that uh, freedom is only one generate loss of freedom is only one generation? What is it? Yeah, it is Reagan. I, I, it's close enough. I, that is essentially what he said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us are going to get the, the quote exact. That's but. right. But 
No, and, and to your point, I think regardless, you know, even if you're not going out and getting involved, just know about these things. People are getting checks in the mail right now for the current increased child tax credit. You need to be mindful what your income is. If you're working with a tax professional, run the question by them. Should you be keeping this payment? Should you be asking to reject them for the next couple payments? Um, if it's ongoing moving forward, that's going to have a big impact on tax planning every year. Even with the if daycare expenses do lower, take that, plan ahead. How are you going to use that saved money on something else with the plan? Well, think of what's happened in the past. Uh, right now, college fees have gone through the roof. And mm -hmm. why is that? Because it's all borrowed money? Yes, from whom? The government. The government. So the government feeds it. It's a vicious cycle, and that's what's causing college costs to go through the roof. So people need to be aware. This, all of this is important to your planning. That's, that's the key of this. It's not about the politics. Republicans, Democrats are both idiotic in so many things. And so we could talk about either either plan coming along. Uh, for example, when you think of uh, the 19 Republicans who voted for this thing, when they knew it was coming, it makes no sense what they claim to be. So you as an American citizen need to roll up your sleeves and get your boots on and get out in the mud and start working on what's critical, your position in this country the country itself. I mean, we have to keep it stable. That's what our forefathers fought for. So that was a no on the soft infrastructure. Then. <laughs> That's what I heard. Okay. Okay. No, you're so right, John. Okay, well, we're lighting it here. But I mean, this is the kind of stuff when we think about the nerves. I mean, people see what's going on. And when you see prices going up and inflation's happening and you're reminded of periods like the 70s and 80s, I mean, there were times where you would leave money in your checking account because you'd earn more interest on your checking account than you'd pay off your credit card at the end of the month because the credit card had a lower interest rate. That's right. We've never heard of such things here. So there's ways that we can manipulate and play the game and work the rules to your benefit. And that's really what it is here. So by being a where you can do the best for you. Mm -hmm. Eloquently said. I think we'll leave it at that for that part of the conversation. Uh, what I will say, and you did we'll, it, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but what I was going to say, and we'll we'll really expand upon it into the other half of the show in the next segment. But they did just release a July consumer price index inflation report. Came out at about five point four percent. Some say that was less than expected, though. Some people were happy about it. Um, but it is what it is. Inflation is real. A lot of people, to your point, when I say that, it doesn't mean anything. Inflation, as of recent, been a lot lower. So we're going to expand a little bit upon that. And a lot of the investments people talk about when inflation comes into the into the fold. So stick around. A lot more to go through. A lot of exciting stuff. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. <laughs> Welcome back to Managing Managing to Be Wealthy. Reminder, I am your host for the evening, Spencer Hager. With me, Tony Payne. We're both certified financial planners. John Sestino, our founder, is with us too. Wrapped up the last segment talking about inflation. If anyone out there has been listening to a couple of the past shows we've done, past 10, 15, you've heard us talk a lot about inflation. Don't want to focus as much on inflation and what it can do. Rather, every time inflation comes up, Tony's eyebrows are perking up in the corner there. <laughs> a lot of people start talking about investments and how to get around inflation or maybe how to beat inflation. And a lot of investments that people maybe don't think about as much when everything is quote unquote good, not a lot of inflation, start to really 
come into the woodwork, uh, big one that I've been getting a lot of comments about recently, real estate. Real estate. Real estate. Yeah. Well, thank God, because that only goes up in value. <laughs> yeah. Tony, you agree? No, I don't. <laughs> thank God. Well, I mean, you think about it this way, though, and I'll try to break it down maybe a little scientifically on the fly, but a piece of property is really about its utility. I mean, there's a time where you can trade it and buy and sell it, but it's mostly a liquid. I mean, you're buying a house or you're buying a building because you run a business, you need a space, you have a family, you want to have a place to sleep. You're not buying a property to trade it like a stock or an instrument. So just by the nature of real estate, it's usually about what can I do with it? And the idea of prices going up doesn't necessarily change the utility of the real estate. It might change the utility or the price of money, quote unquote, but it's not changing the underlying value of what that real estate's good for. So that's where if you're going to have a business that's producing and that business is keeping up with inflation because it has pricing power, that's sometimes a little different than real estate because that real estate, unless you're keeping it current, it's depreciating. I mean, there's a reason why the tax code allows for depreciation. You go ahead and try to sell a building that was done in 94 versus one that was done in 2014, same square footage. The one in 14 is usually going to garner more money in the same location. It always is. The idea is it has newer stuff. It's about the utility of the building. So when we're thinking about inflationary times, I would say just remember that. At least that, you know, that's the way I always thought of real estate. That's a really good point. Um, and there's a couple different ways when you say exposure to real estate. That can mean a couple different things. Tony, you're talking about going out, buying a property, potentially managing the property. But regardless, if you're not managing it, you're paying someone else a portion of the rents maybe. And to what you're saying, a, a big reason a lot of people think inflation or real estate can beat inflation or keep up with it is if things start to cost more, perhaps rents cost more as well. You're getting paid the rents, therefore you're hopefully keeping up or beating inflation. Okay. Now to that point, I I agree. Um, makes a lot of good points. There's a couple other ways too, though. You said trading yep. it like a stock or an instrument. Yeah, right? you can't really do <laughs> yeah, that, right? Yeah. I mean, there's ways that we know we can, whether it's a REIT or direct real estate investments, but those are different. Those are marketplace. Those are true investments. When we try to separate maybe buying a single family home or buying a building, if you're a business owner, those are sometimes bigger decisions than, hey, is this going to make me money? Because if you're not familiar with how real estate works or the tax code, there's many opportunities to think you're making money when you really aren't. And that's part of this. Like we said, it's not a stock. It's not going to go up and down in value every day with future value. No, it's going to have a value. Maybe there's a Redfin or a Zillow on it, and you're going to try to track that for a while, and then you're going to get an offer, or the realtor is going to tell you what to list it for. There's not that kind of up and down fluctuation or ability to trade. So when you think about inflation, well, I've only got, I can only capture that when my lease renews or when I sell a property. I'm not getting it all the time when things are happening. So if the lease has been set years ahead, you're getting behind every year typically. Uh, John, what do you think? Well, and what about some of the new circumstances that occur? For example, the government program about tenants not having to pay their rent. Yeah. What happens to your income? What happens to your profitability? See, that's the other thing. Re real estate is probably the riskiest thing you could do. Now, I know people are screaming, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> but there are so many variables in real estate where you can trip up and lose money. Because when you do something with real estate, 
it tends to be a long-term fix or a, uh, that causes you to be affected financially. And we do it all the time. We look at properties people own and they say, well, I love my real estate. And we do a calculation as to how much they're really earning per year. And they're usually shocked because they don't find that they're making anything. Mm -hmm. really. Let alone accounting for their time managing it. Exactly. Or hiring somebody even. So that that's a big deal about real estate. And that's why this flipping stuff and all, every, you know, there are cycles of this real estate. Comes along, comes along. And that's okay. And if you enjoy it and you learn about it and you get your fingers, you know, into the mud, then you'll be okay, perhaps. But that you can't think you're going to buy a piece of real estate, set up a sign, rent it. And, of course, the tenants are always going to be just marvelous right. well, with the property. You say that, and I can't help but smile and interrupt you because... I mean, according to some of the banks, you can. I mean, we remember 2006 and seven, and people in Florida and other places who got into the real estate game, kind of times like now. You'd build a place, it would immediately go up in value. It'd never go down again. Remember that? Oh, sure. And then they buy them and then borrow against it, buy another one, borrow against that, buy another one, think that they're building a real estate empire, but they weren't cash flow positive. The loans were resetting, and then all things, again, it was a tragedy, but the housing market collapsed. And yep. when that happened, bankruptcy was afoot. And when we think about that being a hedge against inflation, well, when you've used leverage in a negative way and you're negative money, it doesn't matter. You're not keeping up with inflation. So there, like you said, John, that's just one example, but there's so many ways to trip yourself up here that when you think about is it a way to hedge inflation – Maybe if you're doing it really well as a business, but if you're doing it passively and living another life, it's probably not the right spot. Yeah, and while we're talking about this, we're not giving any specific investment advice right here. But what we're doing is alerting you to be aware of what you're doing because most people are operating on emotion. And the worst thing you can do in the investment world is invest based on emotion. But John, I got that $2,000 oh, rent check I last know. month. It felt so, so good. I'm, I made $2,000 on that. <laughs> and Bitcoins went up to $75,000. Yeah. So I better run over there and buy some of that. Right, right. Yeah. That's the chasing. And we'll get, we'll get to those too. But I mean, the idea of just, was that making money? And like you said, John, knowing what you're doing, that's why I interrupted. <clears throat> but yep. the idea of you got that 2,000, is it really profit? No. But when you got it, you felt like you made the money. Maybe you told your neighbor you made the money. What did you make after taxes, after your time, after everything all in? And then did that keep up with inflation? Because did the rent change month to month? It probably didn't. Right. Yeah, and it may sound like we're a little bit cynical. Um, no, going you just got to do it well, right? Yeah, exactly. And well, I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, John is. There you go. No, but we're talking about a lot of the risks. Um as financial planners, we kind of have to lead in like that um, because a lot of the times people do like to focus on all the potential positives and it's our job to kind of come in and ground people. You know, Tony, what you're talking about with the real estate empire, kind of playing it out a little bit. I, I do think, and I, I think we all can agree to it, sometimes using it as a diversification tool is one thing, but I would say if it's being brought up right now and people are running into it and they're trying to do it against inflation, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Um, and I think playing that game of trying to go in and out to maybe beat the system or something you're noticing, that's what makes us nervous. That's what makes us harp on the negatives or some of the risks, at least, maybe not negatives. Excellent. Eyes wide open. That's where we want you. Exactly. So 
That was more on the physical real estate uh, investing. We'll touch a little bit on a couple of the other ways people will talk about, or you may see commercials for even, and then we'll go into a couple other different investments that people bring up during times of high inflation. So stick around. A couple more good ones in the last segment here. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take note. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. Tonight, we are talking about primarily inflation and how that ties into investments what a lot of people start talking about in times of inflation last segment we were talking about real estate real estate's one of those topics we could spend a whole show maybe even two shows talking about it i think a a good wrapping point on real estate is no matter what kind of real estate you're investing in whether it's buying the property yourself investing in some private real estate deal buying like you said tony reits um that's real estate investment trust all these investments the more you talk about it and talk about the risks you realize it's the same risk for the most part across the board they may be a little bit of a different flavor but really what we touched on in the last segment is a large part of, of real estate and those risks that can come with it what i kind of want to jump into is another one that I kind of had to wrap my head around a little bit to understand the inflation hedge to it, but a lot of people are talking about cryptocurrency being a, an inflation hedge. Tony, you heard anyone asking about that, talking to you about Tons. crypto? Tons, a lot, really. I mean, again, it's, it's why we let in with the segments we did. I mean, when we're talking about debt, and I've got the debt clock up here, we're at $28 trillion, $600 billion. 33 billion and that'll, change that'll take a lot of bitcoin yeah yeah it will <laughs> it will and that's the idea though i think when people are scared and they think of, and usually it is emotion driving and it's not necessarily hey i've seen this thing it's a great tool it's a great thing i've seen it at my work i know what it is i understand it usually it's i'm fearful because we're borrowing money quicker than we can print it. We, we're giving out money quicker than we get tax refunds done. I mean, when that stuff's happening, it, it is fearful to say, what's going on here? And is there something I should be doing to protect myself? So yes, Spencer, I, I know you have too, but a lot of people are thinking, is crypto the way to go? And when we think about it, is it transparent? I mean, to say that I'm really nervous, I'm scared, I'm in a position where I'm prey, and then to go to something that's lack of transparent, that seems like a big risk out there. So the idea of this crypto stuff, again, it may be the future. There very well may be. I mean, China's already got their own cryptocurrency for the nation. So how long until the dollar is, quote, crypto, and they take over the same technology? That's another way to go. So the idea of is it one currency, Bitcoin or Ethereum or another? That's the other thought process here, too, where you might be right. Hey, video players are going to be great. This Betamax thing sounds wonderful. <laughs> you probably haven't heard of Betamax. I mean, VHS is the one that took over before DVDs. But if you pick the right technology but the wrong company, you could be out. And the same idea applies with crypto. So if you're not doing your homework or you're overcommitting, forget being an inflation hedge. It might be a way to lose money even in normal times. Yeah, you're hitting on an important point. When you're investing, you also have to overview the <clears throat> the what do I the, the, the deliverer of the product. So when you buy a stock, you have the stock exchange, and that's public and everybody knows. But 
if you even in real estate, if you get into a partnership, who are the partners? And how is it split up? And how are you protected or not protected? So with the crypt, uh, crypto money here, what, what are the protections for you? What are the structures? How do you own it? Just individually, you put it in your computer and you lose your computer. Then what do you do, Tony? Well, then you use your password and you go back into your wallet. But that's it. <laughs> no, no. This is another thing, though. If you don't understand it and you're wondering <clears throat> how does this stuff work, I mean, that's the point where it's, should I invest in something I don't understand? Probably not. Will it really be the future? Does it reflect the market? If not that many people understand it truly, then it probably doesn't reflect the market. I mean, as soon as more Kmarts and Walmarts and whatever stores are still around start accepting direct crypto payments, that's when we could say maybe the market is learning or the market's seeing it. Now it's still at much a higher echelon, which it's happening. We see it all the time, and it's a lot of great uses for it. But is that use case trading or is it really investing? And that's, again, where we come back to be careful and know what you're doing. How scary is it to think that we may eventually be internationally cryptocurrency? Why is that scary? See, well, have you ever heard of hacking? That one? That one's true. <laughs> well, and even think about, I mean, not to pick on our European friends, but the EU. Yes. I mean, when I, I was eighth grade, I was in eighth grade, for gosh sake. I remember, oh, they're all going to have one currency, so they're all going to have one government. No, they're not going to have one <clears> government. <throat> they're going to run all their own fiscal policies, but they're all going to have the same dollar. Eighth grade me is wondering, how does that work on an economic level? And they still haven't figured it out. Right. Now you see where places are leaving and it's not working because one country wants to spend more. One country wants more rules. How do you balance that out with one currency? I mean, a currency should reflect, what can I buy in that country? Not, hey, is this a trading tool? So I know that's another thing here. I get fired up, Spencer. The EU fires me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so illogical. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, and the other part is volatility, right? I, that's an easy one to poke at. Everyone talks about Bitcoin. Volatility is more than likely brought up with it. I was... I didn't look at any one particular article and just looked at any from ranging from March to May and to even look at the Bitcoin price in between that period. It went from 45 up to 56, down to 45, down to 30. Now it's back up to more like 45. So it's just interesting when I hear it as a hedge, my mind immediately goes to, I'm not sure how safe of a, what, how safe is any hedge, but that's where my mind goes well, Especially to. when you had to figure out what made it go down. What changed in the marketplace that caused Bitcoin to drop? Or what changed in the marketplace to make it go up? Well, when you have, uh, what's his name, buying, uh, selling his Lexus with Bitcoins, then all of a sudden it pops, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, somewhere in there, John, the, the story was true. Uh, exactly right. No, but wasn't that's, that true? What well, it, it wasn't less Tesla, and they stopped taking them. It was it was wasn't Lexus. It was Tesla. Oh, that's the word. They, I'm sorry. They stopped taking Bitcoin because it was You're bad right. for the environment. I'm a little sleepy. Uh, at today, least that's Tony. what they said. No, no, understand. Still on the, my, you know, medicine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, with these news stories, you have to be sometimes. But this is again where we're coming from: is make sure that we're aware of things. And I was looking at charts over the weekend. It was inflation in England going back to, I think it was 26 or 1065. So when you went back to 1065, inflation just got flatter and flatter and flatter. So to consider what's the history of something? I mean, we can look back at real estate in the U.S. with our Case-Shiller Index really back to about 1910. 
We get real numbers on things. What's the history on crypto? 15, 20 years, maybe. And I'm rounding up and being generous from their initial, uh, basically, prototype phases. I mean, that's not a real long history to say, how does this hold up against inflation? It's still a new idea. So full disclosure, it may be a great, wonderful thing that happens and outpaces it. But from a risk management standpoint, you don't have the transparency and you also don't have the history. And you should never invest in something you don't understand. Also a good point, I think. You know, that's that's the fundamental. So if you're going to even from real estate, <clears throat> real estate to oil wells, all those things, and I've owned most of those, and believe me, each is a new lesson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we and today we're we're coming up towards the end. We talked a lot about some of the obscure ones, but when it comes down to it, I think what we're really getting at is just understand how maybe any sort of asset performs historically when it comes to talking about inflation, whether it's stocks in the seventies to your point, John, bonds, money market accounts for your cash, any of those things, and just be cautious when people jump into action like this. I was talking to my brother about inflation. To talk about 6% to him, he has no clue, but if someone gets in his ear, starts putting the fear into you, don't let someone sweep you into something or at least have a good understanding of what you're getting into. So hope someone out there got a, a little nice tidbit from today. Hope you come back, listen to the next show, uh, and you've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTVN.